Hey there, everybody. Joe here, and welcome to episode 106 of the Upper Memory Block podcast. So uh, you may be hearing and you may be understanding that the intro to this show is a little bit uh, different from the usual, uh, you know, sort of funny saying, intro music, and then me going, hey, everyone, welcome to the but that is because this time around, like I promised in the last episode, we have a guest show from Father Beast, and he will be talking all about a really, really, really cool, real fun game, kind of big big spoiler, I enjoyed this game, Transport Tycoon from, what's his name? Mark Sawyer. Mark Sawyer? Anyways, Father Beast will talk about it. But uh, yeah, so uh, things are good. I think the the, the one month, uh, one show a month sort of uh, schedule seems to be working out fairly well. I know some folks would like it more, but uh, well, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> Anyways, uh, before we get to Father Beast and his episode, uh, we do have one email that uh, I want to read. And it is from uh, Roman. And Roman writes, Hello, Joe. I'll honestly try to keep it short. Oh, my. It was 2013 when I wrote you last. Well, technically the only time. Time flies. Other than being seventh heaven happy, you've continued making episodes to this day and wishing for you to continue doing an amazing job on the podcast front. I'd like to boldly leave a request for a future episode. Do you know of the game Reunion from 1994? Here's a YouTube link for the intro to the game. Uh, if this won't pique your interest, I don't know what will. I will put that link in the uh, show notes. Uh, the game is a mix of strategy mechanics coming in a unique package I haven't seen replicated since. Throw in the aesthetics and uh, music and sound design of uh, an era, and this is a winner in my book. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to beat the game then, but my uh, I've got my share of shocks, surprises, twists, and memories that go on for decades. Uh, he gives us a few more links. Uh, I know this will be a much less popular request, or maybe even the first one, but I'll keep my fingers crossed to see an episode with Reunion in the title someday. Uh, thanks for taking time for a longtime follower and a fan. Keep on rocking, Joe. Well, thanks, Roman. And uh, yeah, <laughs> this is uh, this game actually reminds me, it's sort of like an RTS with some adventure elements and things like that. It reminds me a little bit of not quite, uh, you know, Cryo's Dune, but a little bit. Say if you took Cryo's Dune and Dune Two, and you know, took the story adventure elements of of the of Cryo's Dune and stuck them into Westwood's Dune Two, then this sort of seems similar. And uh, yeah, the I was gonna play play the uh, the intro in here, but the intro was eleven minutes long. It's like really, it it's a uh, it's a very epic game. It uh, is a little, it comes across a little bit cheesy, kind of. Again, that it sort of reminds me of the Dune movie, and sort of aesthetic seems to take itself a little seriously. But that's just from a very uh, casual. Uh, observation but yeah i will add this to the list uh, you know you're not the first person to uh, to make a request but uh you know i have a i have a very long uh, list of of games some of which i've never heard of i just wrote down the names and uh yeah you know you never know it might uh might show up so thanks very much for that roman and uh yeah let's get on to the main event here father beast's guest episode on transport tycoon so i did give this game the uh the umb treatment 
if you will, if you head over to the YouTube channel, uh, I guess a, little, a week or so ago, I did a, a two-hour live stream on, on Twitch and uh, YouTube gaming where I played, uh, you know, got through a, a decent uh, chunk of, uh, of gameplay. I think I got up into the 60s in Transport Tycoon and, uh, you know, made a little bit of money. And, and so you can uh, see my experiences of playing all that over there. Uh, I don't think I'm going to come back at the end uh, to, to wrap up or anything. So let's just get all the uh, housekeeping stuff out of the way before we dive into the guest show. Uh, next month uh, for April, I'm going to be covering uh, another game, uh, The Last Express, the 1997-1997 uh, Jordan Mechner adventure game and uh really interested to uh to see what uh what goes on in there so after transport tycoon is all wrapped up in a nice little bow uh turn your eyes toward the last express okay that's that let's uh jump into the guest show take it away father beast with a bunch of interesting tidbits about transport tycoon can you move products from the places that make them to the places that use them and make lots of money doing it? Find out in Transport Tycoon, here in the Upper Memory Block. Welcome to the Upper Memory Block with Joe Mastriani and special guest Father Beast. Games from the DOS and free Windows XP gaming era. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Upper Memory Block, the podcast where we discuss PC games from the DOS and pre-Windows XP gaming era. I am your guest host for this episode, Father Beast. I want to thank Joe Mastriani for allowing me to participate in this great podcast. I want to thank the UM Baby for continuing to take up Joe's time so I have this opportunity. Although she or he will likely graduate to toddler, toddler status soon, which will call into question whether we can still call him or her a baby. I also want to thank all those others who have done episodes of the Upper Memory Block and hope that some of them will participate more. I'm looking at you, Space Quest historian, since I'm almost sure you promised us an episode on I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. And I also want to thank all those people who downloaded and listened to my previous episode on colonization, that'd be episode number 96, and said such nice things about it. Indeed, it was the good experience I had doing the colonization episode that inspired me to do another one. In the process of deciding which game to cover, I didn't have so organized a process as, say, Joe and his Trello page. I just pulled a bunch of games that I knew and let them bounce around in my head for a while, until one of them rose to the top. That one was Transport Tycoon. It took a while to play through an entire game, as well as play with some variations, so it has been quite a while since the colonization episode, but here we are. Now I have a few news items. Some about Star Control, and one about Master of Orion. First off, the free fan remake of Star Control 2, called Theoricon Masters, now has a mod that upgrades the graphics to HD. Urquan Masters HD is, of course, also free. It looks like it was last updated in 2016. Next, Stardock, who owns the rights to the name Star Control, are putting out a new Star Control game called Star Control Origins, 
I don't know much about this game, but it is available for pre-order on Steam. Also, Stardock has re released a couple of other Star Control titles on Steam. One is Star Control, the Urquan Masters. Now, this is not the awesome fan remake. This is Star Control 1 and 2, repackaged and given a new name. The other is Star Control Kasari Quadrant. This also is not a new game. This is the not-so-well-reviewed Star Control 3, renamed for this release. Now, if you check on GOG.com, you'll also find that Star Control 1 and 2 and Star Control 3, which have been there previously, have now been renamed to Star Control the Urquan Masters and Star Control Kasari Quadrant. In related news, the original creators of Star Controls 1 and 2, uh, Fred Ford and Paul Reich III, the Third Reich, are making their own uh, spiritual sequel to Star Control 2. In an odd conjunction of how the copyright works in this case, Stardock owns the name Star Control, while the original creators own the races that were in the games. So the Stardock game will have all new races, while Ford and Reich's game will have the familiar, familiar races and maybe some new ones. Ford and Reich's game will be called Ghosts of the Precursors, and I know even less about it than I know about Star Control Origins. But they do have a minimal website up for it. The last piece of news is not about Star Control, but Master of Orion. It is a fan remake of Master of Orion 1, you know, with the production sliders and researching six things at once. Anyway, it's called Remnants of the Precursors, no relation to Ghosts of the Precursors, and it's in early alpha right now, but you can download it and play it for free. It crashes a lot, but that's somewhat to be expected at this point. I've been playing it and having lots of fun in between crashes. So that's all I have for news. And we have a game to talk about, so let's get to it. You are listening to the Upper Memory Block. Time for Overview. Okay, so we start out with genre, as always. Uh, Transport Tycoon is a construction and management simulation. Construction and management simulations were discussed back in the Roller Coaster Tycoon episode, which was number 22, and before that in the SimCity episode. But to quickly re recap, a construction and management simulation puts you in charge of something, usually a business, that has a limited amount of resources available and leaves the decisions up to you as to what to invest in and where to build things up. Okay, so on to gameplay. When you transport Tycoon, you can choose a new game, load a game, change the game options or the difficulty, or quit. Actually, there's also the option to have a two-player game, but we'll get to that later. The options are for your personal convenience, such as whether cars drive on the right or left, or whether you want your money counted in dollars, pounds, francs, marks, or yen, or whether the randomly generated towns are stylized European, American, or English. The difficulty settings are interesting because it lists the 10 or 15 things that are changed when you set the difficulty to easy, medium, or hard, and even allows you to make a custom difficulty setting by choosing your own settings. But whatever you choose, you'll soon be starting a new game. As the game begins, you are asked to give your name and the name of your transport company. But before you do that, I suggest that you click the pause button in the upper left of the screen. 
That's because the clock is running from the time the game starts. And if you spend a while customizing your face and name, you might discover a month or two has gone by. So soon you're looking at the main screen, which is where you'll be spending a lot of your time. Most of it is taken up by a view of the countryside, which you can scroll around by holding the right mouse button and moving the mouse. This game is viewed from the isometric viewpoint. I don't recall if Joe has talked about this before, but basically what that means is that the land is divided by a grid into squares and the, view, the, and the player is viewing those squares point on instead of edge on. Additionally, instead of viewing things from, say, straight down, the camera is sort of pulled back so the view to the landscape as if from a pro an approaching plane. That means that buildings rising from the landscape will sometimes obscure the squares behind it. Uh, fortunately, there is an option to turn buildings transparent so you don't get lost. As you look around the land, you will see towns with randomly generated names like Logton or Elmville. By clicking on the name of the town, you can pull up some basic information like population, how many passengers, and how much mail it can generate. You can also change the name of the town, which I almost always do. I like to name the towns after cities in my area like Sandy, Draper, and Midvale. Also on the land, you can find industries such as the Logton Factory or the Elmville Power Plant or the Warbury Coal Mines. If you click on them, you can get some basic information on them. Okay, the factory accepts steel, grain, and livestock and produces goods. The coal mine produces coal and the power plant accepts coal and produces nothing. The map has three zoom levels you can change to by clicking the plus or minus magnifying glass icons in the bar of icons in the top of the screen. Speaking of which, we ought to take a look at all those uh, controls in the top bar since you'll be using those to play the game. On the far right is a question mark. Click that and the cursor turns into a question mark which you can use to get information about individual squares. In a town it'll tell you how much uh, passengers and mail are produced by each block. To the left of that are the buttons which apply to the messages in-game and the music. Left of that are the aforementioned zoom in and out icons and then there's the construction group. These are what you use to build road, rail, water, or air routes. We'll get back to them in a minute. And then you have a truck, train, boat, and plane icons. Clicking these will bring up a list of all your road vehicles, trains, ships, and planes, respectively. Curiously, if you click and hold, you can also look at the vehicles of, your comp of the competing companies, if there are any. There is a group that gives access to various chunks of information, such as one that gives uh, access to a bunch of graphs which map various things like money made and products delivered. Another, another gives an overview screen of your company or also your competitors. And the one which looks like gold coins will show you your balance sheet, how much money you are making and how much you are losing and where. It also shows how much you have borrowed and allows you to borrow more within limits and pay back some or all. Well, it looks like I have $200,000 borrowed. I've spent no money and made no money. If the clock were running, it would show the interest that is built up on that loan. Now, once again, you can also look at the balance sheet for your competitors. In fact, you can access all the same information about your competitors as you can about your own company. It's a curious design decision, but it seems to work. Next to the button that lists your stations is the map button. You can use the map to get an overview of things. You can filter the map for various things. I like to select, for example, for industry so I can scout for goods I can move. 
Also in the map menu, you can get a directory of towns and a list of uh, subsidies being offered. Finally, next to the pause button we started with is a button where you can save or quit. Now, I hope the game has been paused while you were looking at all this. While you can look around all you want while it's paused, you can't build anything until the clock is running. So let's start the clock. Okay, it's January 1st, 1930. Now the quickest and cheapest way of starting to make money is a bus route in a city. So we hit the road construction button, which brings up another panel of icons. You can build roads, raise and lower land, bulldoze tiles, and put down road vehicle depots and stations. The stations can be either truck depots or passenger depots. Now the simplicity of making the basic bus route is that you can use the existing roads, so all you have to do is put down two passenger stations and a road vehicle depot, and maybe bulldoze a square to get a good station placement. Now when you place a station, you can click the Show Coverage button on, and a grid appears showing the area it draws passengers from. We'll put one covering one side of Logton, and one on the other side. It's okay if their coverage areas overlap. Uh, let's see. The stations have been automatically named Logton and Logton East. You can change the name of your stations if you want, but I usually don't bother. Uh, the road vehicle depot doesn't have to be anywhere in particular so long as it's connected to a road. So having done that, we click on the road vehicles depot and we buy a bus. A window then appears showing road vehicle 1, which is just sitting there in the road depot. The icons on the right are an eye, which centers the map of your vehicle, a depot, which orders your vehicle to return to the depot, an arrow symbol, which allows you to give routing orders, and a letter I, which gives you general information like how much it's carrying. You can also change the name of your vehicle. Let's call it the Logton Express or some such. But you are going to be, uh, you're going to be having a lot of these. <laughs> anyway, you open the orders, you tell the bus to go to Logton and Logton East. Then you close, uh, close the orders, click on the bar at the bottom of the window where it says stopped, and that will change, and the bus will roll out of the depot and head for one passenger station and then the other. If you stay and watch, you'll see the bus let out a little ka-ching noise and see a little dollar number rise from it as it delivers passengers. Not very much, since it isn't carrying very many, and not taking them very far, but it's something. You can click on the station and see you only have three or four passengers waiting. You can click on the bus and check its info to find out that it only is carrying five passengers. Well, Logton isn't much of a town and doesn't produce very many passengers. A word on the windows that pop up in this game. Just about everything you can click on causes a window to pop up. You can click and drag them by the title bar, but your screen can get pretty cluttered, so it's probably best to close them if you don't need them. And, oh yes, I meant to change the names of the town now, so let's do that now. Warbury is now Midvale, Elmville becomes Draper, and Logton is now Sandy. Now we come to something cool about the game. When you change the name of the town, it automatically updates that change to everything that is named after it. The Logton factory is now the Sandy factory. The stations are now Sandy and Sandy East. If I click my bus, the Logton Express, I see that it goes to Sandy and Sandy East. But since I chose the Logton Express name myself, that one is not updated.
Now, we need more money than this bus is going to make us, so we're going to do a train route. The train construction panel has all the same things as the road one, except that it has rails instead of roads. And you can also place signal lights for when you want to have more than one train using the same track. Now, when you do a road route, you can use any existing roads, but with a rail route, you can only use rails that you have built. Okay, so we're going to move coal from the Midvale coal mines to the Draper power plant. We start at the Draper power plant and plop down a train station. Now, with industries, the catchment area only needs to partially overlap the industry. Then we start building our train track off towards the Midvale coal mines. We can use the terrain up and down buttons to try and make the route as flat as possible, since trains in 1930 aren't very powerful, and it can be a bother to have the coal deliveries delayed because a heavy coal train is struggling to make it over some hills. For big hills, you can actually even build tunnels, but those run into cost, although it might be less than flattening the hill in some cases. Anyway, we get to the Midvale coal mines and we plop down a station. Then we put a, down a rail depot connected to the, to the track and buyer construction. And uh, our construction is done. Clicking the rail de depot, we buy an engine, and since the engine itself can't carry anything, we buy some coal cars. In the orders, we tell it to go to Midvale Mines and Draper Transfer, and send it on, on its way. Now, when the dra train arrives at Draper Transfer with its first load of coal, you will see that the, the pay is way more than the bus makes. In fact, it is probably more than the entire amount the bus has made during the entire time we've been building this train route, in one payoff. If you want, you can have the train wait until it's full before leaving Midvale Mines by changing the orders. This is useful sometimes. Now, there's also boat routes. Uh, in boat routes, you don't have to build the road. You just build docks and ships. The, move, the ships move from dock to dock. You can also put down buoys and use them to route your chip, ships so they don't get lost going around corners. And you can uh, build a ship depot, and you can drop that anywhere in the water. Air routes are the easiest of all to, bet, to set up, if the most expensive. You just plop down an airport where you can f find or make a flat enough piece of land. A hangar is automatically included on an airport, uh, and that, that serves as your air depot where you can buy planes. Now, after all that... It's up to you to decide what to move and where to move it. While you're looking around, you'll get notifications of subsidies offered to move cargo and passengers somewhere. If you're the first to do the moving, you get a bonus on that route for a year. It's certainly a boost to a fledgling transport company, but investigate first. You might not have the resources to make the route, and some routes aren't really worth it. Like asking for passenger service from a tiny town which barely produces any passengers. While you are running about building your transport empire, you'll get notices of new vehicles coming out. You might want to upgrade your old equipment. It will cost. But if you want to do that, go ahead and send the old one to a depot, sell the old one, and buy a new one. That's simple enough. Each of your vehicles has a maintenance schedule also, and will take itself to a depot at scheduled intervals. It also has a service life, and after a number of years you will get the message that a vehicle is getting old. At that point, it's a, it's a good idea to replace it. Each vehicle also has a reliability percentage, which governs how often they break down. Now, when a vehicle breaks down, it comes to us to a halt and sits there and does nothing for several days and then starts moving again. Well, except for planes. When a plane breaks down, thankfully it doesn't fall out of the sky, but it just start, starts moving a lot slower and trailing smoke. 
Now, one of the major obstacles is when a competing company has built rails or stations that are in your way. Now, for the most part, you just have to work around them. But it is possible to drive uh, competing companies into bankruptcy, but it's difficult and takes time. You basically have to take away their income by building competing stations and making your station's ratings higher, so you can get most of the cargo instead of them. If you click a station, you can find out its ranking for various cargoes that go there. Now, there are various ways to increase your rating, but the main ways are to not leave products sitting on the platforms and to use newer and faster vehicles. I'm also going to tell you a cheat or exploit that you can use. If you don't want to hear it, just fast forward a couple minutes. Now, this only works on competitors' road vehicles. So, there's a stretch of road that your rival trucks are going down. You put a rail depot uh, next to it and one piece of rail across the road by a cheap engine and just start it going. It'll roll out onto the track crossing and you just stop it there. And you leave it. The uh, Whenever you build a rail uh, railroad across a road, it automatically uh, makes those uh, signals uh, so that, that uh, road vehicles just have to stop and wait for it. All those trucks that are going down that road will be stuck at the railroad crossing and they're not making any money anymore. Now, the towns will eventually grow. The towns that are serviced by transport services will grow a lot, while the towns that are ignored, uh, not so much. The towns will also have a pr an approval rating for the transport companies that operate around them. This can have some effect on how popular your stations are, but if your approval rating gets too low, you won't be allowed to build stations or demolish squares in a town. You can buy advertising in a town, but I'm really not sure how much that helps. Now, when you first start out, you're eager for anything that will make you money. Later on, when you have a few million sitting around and you've repaid the loan, you can create these uh, supply chains that are really great. You move iron ore to a steel plant, and you move the steel to a factory, and then the finished goods from the factory to a large town, getting paid for everything moved along the way. It can take a while for a town to get big enough to accept goods, but then you can really start making money then. It's also really gratifying for this podunk horse stop of 300 to grow to be this grand metropolis of, say, 10,000 or so. And that is pretty much the game. Like I said, it starts you out in 1930 and officially ends in 2030. By that time, you'll have supersonic planes, hovercraft, and monorails. If you're making the most money by then, you win, and you get a victory screen. And then, you can still keep playing, if you want. You are listening to the Upper Memory Block. Time for Tech Focus. Okay, time for the Tech Focus. In order to run Transport Tycoon, you need a 386 processor, although a 4625 megahertz is recommended, at least 580 kilobytes of conventional memory, that is, the memory that is not in the uh, upper memory block, which we've talked about many times before. need a total of at least 4 megabytes of RAM. We need at least 5 megabytes of space on your hard drive. You need DOS version 5.0 or better, and a video display capable of displaying in SVGA mode with 256 colors at 640 by 480 resolution. You also need a mouse with version 8.01 or higher of the Microsoft mouse driver, it says. 
I've never actually had any problem with the mouse. Actually, that seems like pretty modest requirements to me. I know that the first 4625s were released, uh, were just being released when I was getting married in 1989, and Transport Tycoon was released in 1994, five years later. So an, even an older computer could probably run it. We usually talk about the music during the tech focus. In choosing the audio settings for the game, you could choose to have the music output to just about any card of the time, from Sound Blaster to AdLib and even the famed Roland MT32. The music was composed by John Broomhall, who was sort of the in-house uh, music guy at Microprose at the time, and he composed the game's suite of jazzy-sounding tunes. He was also in charge of the sound effects, and I am told he outsourced uh, those. There was also the possibility of playing multiplayer Transport Tycoon. This was accomplished by use of a null modem. A null modem, despite the name, was meant for was n not meant for use on a phone line, but was a cable stretched between com two computers and plugged into the serial port on both computers. Perhaps the most uh, interesting thing in technical matters is that Chris Sawyer did the bulk of the programming in x86 assembly code. Joe talked about this during the episode on Roller Coaster Tycoon, once again episode number 22. But basically, uh, assembler is programming which gives the direct commands of what to do to the processor and memory locations. When a program is done in a higher level language like Java or C, then when the program runs, the processor has to spend a portion of its processing power translating the the program into machine code before running it. Now, assembler is a lot closer to machine code, so although writing an assembler takes more work, the programs run a lot faster since they don't have to spend so much time translating. And it really shows. In the game, whenever you select a vehicle or a station or something, it opens a window showing that thing, and the window is literally a window onto that area showing what's happening on that part of the map in real time. If there are vehicles driving by or planes overhead, they appear in that window. It's a neat bit of performance that happens all the time in the game. Now incidentally, myself, I ran Transport Tycoon in DOSBox, and the default speed in DOSBox is 3,000 cycles. I usually bumped it up to 8,000 cycles to play, and it ran smoothly all the time, only chugging just a bit when zoomed out all the way when there are lots of vehicles running around. I don't know what those cycles translate to in megahertz, but I'm still kind of impressed. You are listening to the Upper Memory Block. Time for Development Story. Okay, time for the development story. The story of Transport Tycoon is wrapped up in the story of its creator, Chris Sawyer. Chris Sawyer is a Scottish game developer and programmer. When he entered center secondary school, his school had a Commodore PET 2001 and a Research Machines 380Z, and he started writing games in BASIC during his lunch hour for fun. He discovered that he liked programming and bought some books to help him learn. A book on BASIC, a book about 6502, and Z80 machine code. In time, he bought himself a computer, which was a computer's links, and made a little games in basic and, and in machine code for his own amusement. He went on to Strathclyde University where he studied computer science and microprocessors. 
1983, he started writing games in Z80 machine code for the Memotech MTX and Amistrad CPC home computers. And several arcade-style games of his were published. From 1988 to 1993, Chris Sawyer worked on porting games from the Amiga to the PC for MS-DOS. This generally involved rewriting the game in x86 assembly code. Uh, in one of these games that he ported to the PC, uh, Frontier colon Elite 2, uh, there was an advertisement on an in-game building saying, Chris Sawyer's transport game coming soon. Although he had spent five years converting other people's games, he still wanted to make his own. He had been impressed uh, by Sid Meier's Railroad Tycoon, but he thought that he could do more with it, so he had been working on this in his spare time. By 1993, he'd been showing this game which he'd been making, Chris Sawyer's transport game. He started showing this game to some friends who clearly enjoyed playing it. And uh, he got an agent named, named Jackie Lyons, who advised Chris on how to proceed. Chris Sawyer realized that his own graphics just weren't good enough for uh, to show to, to show to somebody somebody to, to publish his game, and he contacted Simon Foster, who'd been a business graphics designer that wanted to break into the game games industry. Simon ended up doing the graphics for Transport Tycoon. Jackie Lyons suggested Microprose, who were the uh, publishers of Railroad Tycoon, and uh, Chris agreed that they would be good for publishing his game. Jackie tells the story that a couple of guys at Microprose hadn't been impressed by the work he had done on some of his conversions, and had told Jackie previously to let them know if he ever had his own game. Microprose uh, took on uh, Chris Sawyer's transport game and changed the name to Transport Tycoon to go along with the Railroad Tycoon as part of what might be a series of ty tycoon games. They detailed John Broomhall, who was sort of the in-house musician at Micropose, to put together music and sound effects for the game. Transport Tycoon was released in 1994 and was well-reviewed and sold well enough that Micropose continued, continued to release stuff for it. A World Builder Utility was released, but was overshadowed soon by the release of Transport Tycoon Deluxe in 1995. The Deluxe version included the world editing function, the ability to play in three additional uh, biomes, as well as the original, original, and the ability to play custom maps and scenarios. The new biomes were Tropical and Arctic, as well as the Silly Candyland biome, which has things like bubble mines and cola wells. Now, there's a Wikipedia article that says that Transport Tycoon Deluxe introduced uh, one-way rail signals, but I did not find them in the game I played. Yeah, in my memory, I didn't see one-way rail si signals until I played OpenTTD years later. A port of Transport Tycoon was released for the PlayStation in 1997, and Chris Sawyer started working on the sequel, uh, Transport Tycoon 2. He was working on a much more flexible road system, which could have vehicles on multiple levels, when he realized that this system could simulate a roller coaster. Fascinated by that idea, he ended up abandoning the Transport Tycoon sequel and worked on the game that became Roller Coaster Tycoon. After the publication of Roller Coaster Tycoon and its sequels, Chris Sawyer decided it was time to get back to the long-promised sequel to Transport Tycoon. And in 2004, he released Chris Sawyer's Locomotion, 
which he describes as a spiritual sequel to Transport, Transport Tycoon. After that, Chris Sawyer took a break from gaming and focused on personal pursuits such as riding actual roller coaster. In 2013, he returned to the gaming industry with the release of Transport Tycoon on iOS and Android devices. This version uses the art assets and some of the gameplay from Locomotion. Chris Sawyer continues working in the games industry today. He is reported to be working on an iOS and Android port of Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. You are listening to the Upper Memory Log. Time for feedback. Now, I don't seem to have to know anyone nearby who has personal experience with Transport Tycoon. But if you want to send Joe some feedback with your Transport Tycoon uh, experiences, then go ahead and Joe will read it in a future episode. Also, Joe might have received some feedback about Transport Tycoon before this episode airs. And if uh, if that happens, a good place to be to put that would be right about here. Deep. And in fact, we do. We have uh, an email from my good buddy, friend of the show, Ben Chandler, uh, you know, game artist extraordinaire with uh, Wajidai Games and uh, deep thinker with regard to uh, game art. And Ben <laughs> writes, uh, hello, Joe and fellow blockers and special guest host, Father Beast. I love business and empire management titles, SimCity, Civilization, Theme Hospital, Constructor, and many more. Most of all, I love the wonderful Transport Tycoon games. I'll never forget my brother telling me that he'd installed a new demo that I'd like, a two-year trains-only sample of the Toyland scenario for Transport Tycoon Deluxe. I was hooked. I played that demo map over and over, trying new railway designs and jealously watching as competitors built the trucks that I wasn't allowed to. Some years later, he brought home a CD-ROM from a friend that contained the full versions of both Theme Park and Transport Tycoon. You can imagine my delight. Many hours were spent on this game by myself and my friends, with one friend stating that she hated the game because she never saw any of us on weekends anymore. I still love this game all these years later, from Simon Foster's colorful graphics to John Broomhall's unbelievably catchy soundtrack, there's something timeless and special to the whole aesthetic to me. I'm glad that its legacy endures in OpenTTD and Locomotion, which are still available for purchase. Just last year, I managed to get my hands on a copy of the Transport Tycoon and World Editor release that features a Mars scenario that I'd never played before and sunk another 40-odd hours into the game. Very glad to see this game getting some love on the podcast. Also very glad to see the show returning to some regularity. Block on Ben Chandler. Wow. I'm really looking forward to hearing that, if there is any. For now, all I have is my own experience. It was 1995, and I was just starting out as a heavy truck driver. My trainer and I had just delivered early in the morning in San Jose, California, and were told that our next load would be in the same place, but not until that night. So I decided to go out into the city and visit a comic shop. Now, walking back from the comic shop, I saw a computer store and decided to check it out. It turned out they had a display computer running Transport Tycoon, and I started playing around with it. I made one rail route, but was frustrated that it wouldn't let me connect with the competing company's rails. So I quit the train business and focused on trucks. 
I had a bunch of trucks carrying wood to a sawmill, oh, but the wood kept piling up at the forest station, so I just kept buying more trucks. Soon the road was packed with my trucks, going one way or the other, and there are so many trucks that there started to be traffic jams as they had to wait to get into the stations. Then a truck broke down in the entrance to a station, and no trucks could get in or out. My anxiety shot up as I saw the traffic piling up. Then I saw one of my trucks turn around, still loaded with wood, and head back the other direction. I started yelling at the computer. I felt like I suddenly understood why my dispatchers had such short tempers. Uh, then I realized where I was and uh, that several hours had passed and I had best be heading back to the truck. I didn't even have a PC back then. and At the time, my wife and I were rocking our Commodore 64. But many years later, around Christmas 2000 or 2001, I saw a Transport Tycoon, uh, not Transport Tycoon Deluxe for some reason, on sale at Walmart for cheap, and I snapped it up. I took it home and had a couple of months in fun setting up train routes and uh, uh, even exper experimenting with boats and planes. You know, in between my marathon bouts of Civilization II I was playing at the time. Unfortunately, this was about the time we did a, that involuntary upgrade from Windows 95 to Windows 98, and all the sound in DOS games just quit working. And I'm sorry, but it's just not as much fun to play in silence. It wasn't until the coming of DOSBox that I was able to play Transport Tycoon with sound again. By that time, I had discovered OpenTTD. You are listening to the Upper Memory Log. Time for... Final verdict. Well, it's time for me to say whether I think that Transport Tycoon still holds up today. But before, before we get to that, where can you buy Transport Tycoon today? Well, you can play Transport Tycoon or Transport Tycoon Deluxe in your browser on a couple of places in the inter on the Internet. If you have an Android or iOS device, you can buy Transport Tycoon for those devices. And, of course, you can buy Chris Sawyer's Locomotion on GOG.com or on Steam and possibly other places. Also, if you have Transport Tycoon Deluxe for Windows, there is a fan-made patch called TTD Patch that will supposedly make it playable on more modern systems. But the site looks like it hasn't been updated since 2007, and I was unable to get a uh, copy of Transport Tycoon Deluxe for Windows to work at all on my Windows XP machine with or without the patch. But to buy Transport Tycoon Deluxe or Transport Tycoon on PC right now, there isn't currently a legal way of doing that. But that's okay, because sort of like with the Urquan Masters for Star Control 2, or Maniac Mansion Deluxe for Maniac Mansion, the one you want is the fan-made remake, and that is OpenTTD. OpenTTD has all the great gameplay of Transport Tycoon, plus a few quality of life improvements, like more flexible station placement, or that it tells you how fast a vehicle is going in its window. And also the stuff you'd expect from a modernization version, like different map sizes or different video resolutions. Plus, there are lots of mods. I mean an awful lot of mods. I mean, if you've ever played Transport Tycoon and wished for something in that was in the game, there's probably a mod for it.
Okay, so, on to the final verdict. Does Transport Tycoon hold up today? The answer is a resounding yes, with some caveats. And these are mostly about you and not the game. If you don't like construction and management sims such as SimCity, then maybe this isn't for you. Also, if super spiffy graphics are very important to you, maybe give this a pass. The graphics in the original are pretty basic, and even OpenTTD doesn't make the visuals and animations really pop. But if you have ever played something like Factorio to distraction, and dreamed of optimizing routes and production, then this is the game for you. The only downsides I've found during my plays of the game for this show are that, one, there are some times that you are waiting around to make enough money to start the next project, and two, the full 100-year game can be a bit much, even if you're into it. Okay, so what's coming up next? Well, I'm not exactly sure. Joe is back on the job, and episodes from him are coming out, so I'm not exactly sure where this this one's going to fit in. Plus, there's always a chance that another guest show will be coming when you're least expecting it. As for me, I intend to keep doing this. The next game I will be covering, some months from now, is the space strategy game Ascendancy. In closing, I want to thank Joe for allowing me to participate in this great podcast, and thank you, Joe, particularly for making the podcast in the first place, because it's one of my favorites. So join us next time for the next, uh, the, the next game, whatever it is, and later on, more games from the DOS and pre-Windows XP gaming era, here in the Upper Memory Block. Listening to the other memory block with Joe Mastriani and special guest Father Beast. Games from the DOS and pre Windows XP Gaming Era. For more information on the podcast, visit umbcast.com. That's umbcast.com. Write to Joe today at podcast at umbcast.com. That's podcast at umbcast.com. Now go have fun. <laughs>